0: This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Your Radio Doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on Your Radio Doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Millions
1: of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered.
2: Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne
0: Ritchie.
4: Good evening and welcome to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. In recent months, we've been shocked by the episodes of cardiac arrest in high-profile athletes. Damar Hamlin from the Buffalo Bills, and just last week, the incoming freshman for USC Trojan Basketball, Ronnie James, son of Lamar James, two elite athletes who appear to be in the best physical shape of their lives. Our discussion, the causes for cardiac arrest in athletes, the value of pre-participation physicals in your son or daughter before they go back to high school or college sports in the upcoming school year, and the need for everyone to learn life-saving skills of CPR and how to use an AED, an automatic defibrillator. Joining us is Dr. Matthew Martinez, director of Atlantic Health Systems Sport Cardiology in Morristown Medical Center in Morristown, New Jersey, and a nationally recognized expert in a condition called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which involves a thickened heart muscle that can obstruct blood flow from leaving the heart. From the start, he's been a standout multiple awards during his training at the Mayo Clinic and early days in practice from the American College of Cardiology, a consultant to elite and professional athletes. He is the lead cardiologist for all of Major League Soccer, the team cardiologist for the New York Jets, a consultant for NFL, NHL, NBA, as well as NCAA sport organizations, highly respected for his presence on the national and international stage for his lectures, and has leadership positions in the American College of Cardiology, the International Athletic Heart Symposium, where he was chair and just to name a few of his many achievements. Welcome, Matt. Well, thanks for
2: having me and for that really kind introduction.
4: Well, it goes on from there. And I, I was wondering, do you need a wardrobe assistant just to keep all your jerseys straight to decide what you <laughs> what one you're going to wear this week when you're on the sidelines?
2: Yes, My wife is my wardrobe assistant for uh, both what I'm wearing to work and what, uh, what team I'm wearing. That's for sure.
4: Oh, God bless her. So, Matt, let's start with sudden cardiac arrest. How common yeah. is it?
2: So it's a great question and a controversial answer. But in general, this is an uncommon phenomenon. One in 50,000 to one in 100,000 athletes have sudden cardiac arrest annually. So if you if you think about this as occurring a couple of times a week, then that makes it uh, uh, hit home a little bit more. So, But the total number of athletes that participate in sport – versus the number of athletes that have sudden cardiac death, those numbers are quite low. So it is still safe to participate in sports, but there are some times when you need to be more alert.
4: And I think, too, the other thing that people uh, get a little confused about is the difference between cardiac arrest, when your heart beating, stops beating, versus a heart attack. Let's talk about that a little.
2: Yeah, you got it right. So this has been... Um, uh, a challenge to remind folks that a heart attack is what happens when you have a blockage of the heart arteries. It diminishes blood flow to the heart and that can lead to sudden cardiac arrest. It causes damage to the heart muscle and that's an acquired condition, right? So those with high blood pressure, high cholesterol, typically we see that in those 35, four years or older. Cardiac arrest is when your heart is beating one minute and stops beating the next. And there are some reasons that might be. We think about these as being structural, so a problem with the thickness of the heart muscle or that the heart muscle is too big. We think about this as being an electrical problem where there's either uh, some extra connection or not enough of a good connection so that the heart rate goes too slow or too fast. And then there can be acquired conditions like myocarditis or toxins that can cause heart muscle damage. But a reminder about a third or so of those who have sudden death, young athletes, we call that sudden unexplained death. So there's still a lot more work to be done. A lot of this is still unknown, but there are some groups who we think might be at higher risk. Those who play football, those who play soccer, those who play basketball, as men more than women, African-American men typically more than, than others seem to have a higher risk, although the numbers that support that are very low. So keep in mind that There are some sports we might think are at higher risk, but I don't think of it like that. I think of this as being all those who participate in sport, they deserve our attention to make sure that they are safe.
4: And you break that down so well because somebody might have a congenital heart problem, meaning they were born with it, but might not have any symptoms, so how would we know? But that might be the thickened heart. Or I remember in medical school, it was so heartbreaking. One of our favorite teachers, he was a pediatrician, had a son who was a medical student playing basketball, dropped on the court, just a pickup game. And he had right. an aberrant or an abnormal left coronary artery. So just as somebody who's 35 or older, if it's not pumping blood to the heart itself, the heart itself need, needs blood to pump the blood out to the rest of our system. And so that's so unusual. And you wouldn't know that we don't test people routinely. We're going to talk about how we identify people at risk. But right, the right. other one you mentioned is electrical. And uh, when we talk about the news, uh, people who have been in the news recently, I didn't examine Damar Hamlin. I didn't see his EKJ or his echo or anything like that. But am I right to say that his condition was labeled as commotio cordis, meaning an agitated heart? So let's talk about that. Not about him in particular, but people who might have that.
2: Yeah, so so I think DeMarc has come out officially as saying that he had a diagnosis of cortis, which is why he has come back to participate as an athlete um, without any additional therapies. That is an ICD, and <clears throat> what he um, what he had was was a structurally normal heart. He has nothing wrong with his heart. Commodial cortis is bad luck. It is timed when the heart is repolarizing itself or resetting itself and it's quote vulnerable. And during that vulnerable period, if you get collision at that, just the right or the wrong time, depending on how you see it, it causes the heart to go into fibrillation. And the only therapy to fix that is an AED. So you can't, he has no preceding symptoms. He has no abnormalities. He has no family history that should alert you. And the only solution to this is you need early CPR, but really what you need is an AED to deliver a shock back to back to life. And I know we're going to get to that, but that is the take home message that no matter what we do, no matter what we advocate, we still need that chain of survival at the end. That's the best way we can protect athletes.
4: And uh, we just started with our new um, incoming medical students, the first years, and I, I teach medical students and, uh, we do clinical skills We are they were learning how to take blood pressure properly and all those things. And actually, that came up when we talked about heart rhythms, et cetera. And I said, your heart being a pump, if you listen to your heart, you'll you'll hear lub-dub. And we yep. are able to monitor that lub-dub when we look at an EKG, when we see the, the little round blip and then a pointy blip. Yep. And between the lub and the dub, if you get hit in the chest, it upsets that pumping and then relaxation. And as you say, it's just a matter of bad luck. And that's, I guess, why catchers wear a chest guard. That's yeah, we, that's a sport where they're more at risk, right? If they get hit in the chest with a ball. Totally it. normal heart. Yeah.
2: You got it. So that, that's, I mean, it, 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 we have to give credit to Mark Link, who has been a champion for this from, for several decades. And he has championed the understanding of Commodio Cordis, where he actually did research with projectiles. In a in a model in an animal model that could reproduce ventricular fibrillation and then how you shock it and he figured out the speed how big the object should be and it really boiled down to timing more than anything else and it is absolutely as you say more common in projectile sports such as baseball and lacrosse those are the ones we typically see and then we've had evolution in our in the equipment so now the equipment is more protective it's got a little more rigid lining underneath the catcher's Year. Some folks wear those heart guards where you can, uh, have a protective uh, lining on your, in your shirt. Um, uh, as long as it's got some metal in it and it is quote, uh, uh NASCY, um, certified, then that's enough to protect the heart from and from that commodio cordis and the injury related mm-hmm. to that.
4: So if that baseball or that football helmet hits somebody at the wrong moment in that pump and relaxation cycle, then the heart gets confused and instead of bench pressing that blood out it starts to shiver or quiver and we call it uh, ventricular fibrillation and that's why the blood doesn't go to the person's head and they collapse and what's awesome is to watch the speed with which the teams the team yeah. docs get out on that field and they're ready to do cpr instantly so if a patient does have oh sorry Matt.
2: No, go, go. We'll get to the how we deliver that because there is a plan for Mm -hmm. all that.
4: But if if you um, see a young athlete who says, I have this heart condition, how do you adjust or advise them to their limitations to because the irony here is if somebody has a heart condition and you don't want to treat them with kid gloves because we know exercise keeps their heart healthy. How do you guide them? Because I know you've helped to write the national guidelines for athletes who are healthy versus those who do have known heart conditions.
2: Yeah, I think you framed it up well. Exercise is medicine. We know that in virtually every single um, (coughs) phenomenon, exercise improves outcomes, whether it's cancer or mental health or cardiovascular fitness, we know that this helps individuals. So it really depends on what the phenomenon is. So what I am an advocate of is identifying whatever that potential culprit is, and then coming up with a risk stratification plan that may require treatment, that may require um, lifelong therapy, it might require a procedure to to eliminate or lower that risk. But you can create a plan as long as we know what that condition is. So each individual it has to see an expert in the field who does this routinely, who can say, this is what your risk is. Let's organize a plan to better make you safe. And that th- that is done more and more frequently. It's referred to a, sh- a shared decision making. I think athletes are more than capable in having this um Uh, discussion. Athletes can make decisions about their own health care just like everybody else.
4: Sure. And I think um, we're going to be doing a show soon on how to prepare to go back to school. Um, But even older people that are weekend warriors, you might say, who decide, oh, I've gained 15 pounds. I'm going to go out to run. Please see your doctor first, because maybe it's been a year or so since you had a routine cardiogram or had somebody listen to your heart to make sure you are in a lub-dub rhythm <laughs> and not intermittent, uh, extra beats or yeah. something that could put you at risk. And we're going to talk about how we identify people. But, um, I think too, if a person has COVID and has palpitations, you want to go back and make sure your heart's in good shape before you go and exercise as well. Yeah. So many reasons to have regular checkups.
2: Over the age of 40, 40- then coronary artery disease rules the roost. And you, when you talk to your doctor, if you're a runner, if you're a cyclist, if you're a triathlete, or or whatever, you, you're going to talk to them about your risk factors and lowering those risk factors: high blood pressure, cholesterol, controlling your diabetes. Under the age of 35, I break it up into two pieces. One, those who have symptoms: chest pressure, breathlessness, exercise limitations. That's a different group. They all need a work. They all need an evaluation. In the asymptomatic group, then it's history, physical exam, what kind of athlete they are, tell me about your mom and dad, tell me about sudden death in your family, and looking for the absence of love dub or maybe an extra sound in there, a murmur where there's sloshing of the blood in the wrong direction, um, and then deciding if additional tests will help you determine if there's an added risk in this athlete love what you said, start with your providers, talk to them about how you can improve your outcomes. And it just depends on what what your family story is and, and what you're planning to do. The sport, the activity, the level at which you're playing, that has an impact upon your risk.
4: So important. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Dr. Matt Martinez from Atlantic Health. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by
1: Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. At Independence Blue Cross, we believe in giving you the tools you need to pursue your healthiest life. From premiums as low as $0 per month to health discounts and cash rewards, it pays to have coverage with Independence. With the strongest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free 24-7 virtual doctor visits, you can feel confident that quality care is always within reach. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com.
4: Welcome back to your radio, Doctor. We're so pleased to have the wisdom and input from Doctor. Matt Martinez. He is cardiologist extraordinaire and is the team uh, cardiologist for the New York Jets, the lead cardiologist for Major League Soccer, and a consultant to NFL, NHL, NBA, etc. And we're talking about how to identify athletes at risk for cardiac arrest. and Matt, we were talking about most of the time, most of the athletes don't have symptoms, but if they do, that's a separate category, and you're going to do further testing. So when a mom or dad say, "Gee whiz, why didn't could we have predicted that my son would have collapsed?" and we say, "But we don't do cardiograms, we don't do anything other than the history and physical." So let's talk about that a little bit. What what do we look for in the history and physical? Such
2: an important conversation. So. If you look at the societies, American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology, even European Society of Cardiology, we advocate a comprehensive history, both the family history, the personal history, and even the athlete history, what type of athlete they are and what their expectations are. And then we do a comprehensive physical exam. That's what's recommended across the board because it helps individuals dive into what their potential family story is. If you have a family history of a a condition that's associated with sudden death, like anomalous coronary arteries or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or long QT syndrome, all of which can be evaluated and and determined if you have that or not. Mm -hmm. The electrocardiogram gets a lot of uh, excitement, and we've yet to be able to prove that adding an electrocardiogram improves survival, so outcomes. We've been able to identify, we've been able to use ECGs to improve diagnosis We find diagnoses more frequently, but it's a misinformation that identifying somebody with HCM by electrocardiogram without any symptoms has changed their survival outcome. For instance, Mm -hmm. just because you have HCM doesn't mean that you're going to die from HCM. The vast majority don't. Long QT syndrome is the same phenomenon. So we can identify that by electrocardiogram, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that just because we find it, Means that you're going to have a, an improved outcome. That's an episode. An yeah. episode. So yeah. the EKG has yet to be able to, to improve survival. We make diagnoses more frequently, but we can't prove that people live longer by having an mm-hmm. EKG that identifies an abnormality.
4: So if you're just tuning in, our guest, Dr. Mart, uh, Matt Martinez, is an international expert on HCM, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, a thickened heart muscle that makes the heart. Uh, less efficient as a pump, and under the right conditions of extra strain from working out to try to make that team or trying to win the game, um, it can cause serious arrhythmias. But most of the time, people don't know they have that until they're put on the, the treadmill or whatever it is that challenges their heart too much, and that a cardiogram wouldn't pick that up anyway. A cardiogram might pick up long QT. And we said earlier, when we look at a cardiogram or a monitor, when somebody's in a hospital bed, we watch the pattern of the little blips, a little round blip, and then a spike, and then a second blip that tells us the heart is pumping and relaxing. And if that time interval between the blips is different, that might help us predict who needs attention to uh, the risk for having cardiac arrest. But for the most part, cardiograms, put yourselves to rest, uh, moms and dads. If it's not done, chances are it wouldn't have protected your child anyway, right? Is that a fair way to say it?
2: Right. And and it's important to look for symptoms. I I love it when parents come in and say, I want to talk to you about my son or my daughter. They seem to be more breathless Mm. than everybody else. They're not getting better over the course of time. Athletic trainers have saved lives in the same way, where they look at Mm. an athlete and say, they just don't look right. Despite being able to improve their fitness, they still don't seem to be able to keep up with everybody else.
4: So I think with, what's important for people when they uh, when they themselves decide they want to go back to work out or young athletes, we're going to ask you: Have you ever fainted, or have you ever had palpitations when you put you know, when you go for a run? Any chest discomfort or shortness of breath, as you mentioned, and coaches they're going to keep their eyes open for if 10 kids go out for a run and one or two can't handle it, we're going to say, Hey, mom or dad, get your son or daughter checked history of a murmur or valve disease. And as you say, how well does that athlete before the season start, do they have a history of being able to tolerate exercise or any limitations? Any other personal history things besides, you know, hypertension,
2: yeah. So, uh, the, 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 for the younger athletes, I like all the things that we, we, you already mentioned that I'm looking for if the heart rate is racing uncontrollably at rest. If you've ever felt dizzy when you're exercising or actually passed out during exercise, do you have a family history of a young person in your family under the age of 50 who has died suddenly with exercise? Didn't understand why Uncle Joe went for a run. He was a big athlete. He died at the age of 40. Unexplained car crashes is another example. Yes or swimming events can point to um, uh, long QT syndrome in particular. So this is an opportunity to spill it, right? To talk to your doctor about your symptoms, about what's going on. The world has changed. We're not looking to disqualify people anymore. Now we're looking to risk stratify them and keep them safe. More athletes with genetic heart disease risk are participating in sports than they've ever done before because we're better at risk stratifying them and creating a plan for safety, which, of course, includes emergency action plan, AEDs, early CPR. That's really the chain of survival.
4: Mm -hmm. And so I'd like to repeat some of the things. Uh, I always tell my listeners that I talk to my guests in advance, and we had a great conversation the other day. And you make such good points, Matt. If in your family history there are early deaths that we look back on, Um, a car accident when somebody was awake and alert, Uh, It wasn't like they were driving late at night or early in the morning. And um, people that have coronary artery disease, I'm sorry, before the age of 50, heart failure, heart transplants, pacemakers, defibrillators at any age, that should be brought to the attention of the doctor examining people of all ages before they participate in sports. And the other big reminder before you see your doctor, think really clearly and be ready to answer do you smoke cigarettes? Because that can bump your heart rate. Do you drink a lot of caffeine? And that's not necessarily going to bump your wrist for sudden cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, energy drinks that people drink, thinking that's going to wake them up, and they don't realize the systemic effects of excess caffeine. And then kids are mixing energy drinks with alcohol. Am I right? All these things come into play when you're stressing yourself out on that field because you don't know your limitations and you want to win the game.
2: Yeah. And and I want to know about other, other, I talked to them about supplements. We talked about what their diet looks like. How are you preparing for this? Are you a vegan? Mm -hmm. Are you a, a heavy protein person? Are you taking a performance enhancing drug, right? Um, this is a, I can't tell anybody, even if you tell me we have that relationship, right? I'm not allowed to right. spill that, but <clears throat> that's going to have impact on your on your risk for sudden death. I want to know about that. It, it, it can absolutely have an effect. So this is your opportunity to really talk to your doctor and dig into your family history. Most of us don't know our family history well anyway. This is a chance to figure out what those risks might look like.
4: And you know, Matt, you raised another point because- We often talk, no matter what the topic is, I mean, GI disorders are really affected by caffeine, herbal supplements. When people go to health food stores and buy this or that because it's healthy and um, it doesn't require a script, they think if a little is good, more is better. Are there certain things like creatine? Um, Are there certain um, supplements that can be harmful or bump risk for heart problems?
2: Yeah. So I, I want to know about all of them because some of them are more regulated than others. And then your age matters too. So I don't have, uh, like a list of no-nos, but the right. phrase that I mm-hmm. start with is everything you put in your body, you are responsible for. It. So these are the things that may end up causing you to pop positive on a NCAA drug testing or an Olympic mm. testing. So I want to know about what those things are and then talk about what the benefits are because some of them, sometimes they're so poorly regulated that you're just wasting your time.
4: So much so much of the time. We talk about probiotics. What it says on the label rarely matches exactly what the contents are. So let's Absolutely. just talk a little bit about the physical physical exam. Is there anyone anything uh the patient coming to see you should notice, or what clues do you learn from physical exam? So the
2: physical exam is a challenge, right? It, it, it is it is more difficult now than ever to do because of the pressures of time that we often have for a mm. physical exam. So there is there are some, at least from a cardiovascular standpoint, you want to check pulses, make sure that there's no delays in top to bottom. the the uh, The upper pulses to the lower looking for a delay, that can help you with congenital heart disease. You want to look for extra sounds. You want to look for a, an extra sound that shouldn't be there, maybe a click on your physical exam if you're a physician listening. And then maneuvers are really an, a lost art, and they're so easy to do. So you want to roll someone on their left side. You want to make sure you get a good listen mm-hmm. of that mitral valve. And you want to do a well-done Valsalva, salva, or better yet, a squat-to-stand maneuver. It's so easy to take a 16-year-old, have them stand up, listen, squat down for 5 to 10 seconds, and then you can have them – Stand up and see if you can, A, elicit a murmur, reduce a murmur, and you can bring out things like hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and mitral valve prolapse with those maneuvers very, very easily right at the bedside.
4: And the other thing that's a lost art, we were, we were just reviewing how to take a blood pressure properly this, this very week with our uh, incoming students, take a blood pressure in both arms And if it's different, if it's markedly different, it can suggest a serious vascular disorder. It's uncommon, but it's a simple maneuver that takes another 33 seconds. And if if you are a listener and you are going for a physical, and this is just a general comment that I was saying to the students, if your blood pressure is usually, I don't know, 120 over 80, and on a particular day, it's especially low or especially high, and the, the nurse or doctors taking it with a machine, ask them, it's your body, ask, request that they take it again with a manual cuff. Yes?
2: Absolutely. And, and, and then that leads to the other part of the exam. Some of this is observation. We do this for volleyball players, for basketball players. Mm. It's even part of our MLS exam, looking for Marfan syndrome features. So yes. really long arms, really tall individuals, pectus excavatum, crow- crowded teeth. And again, dive into that family history. Anybody young have a tear of the aorta? Any Because all that is tall is not Marfan's. And you can have Marfan syndrome even if you're not six seven. So there's an opportunity to try and dive into this from an exam standpoint, as well as a history Marfan syndrome, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, all of those can be elicited with a well-done exam. I
4: guess one of the most um, famous people to have Marfans in our minds would be Abraham Lincoln, yes?
2: Yeah, so um, there's controversy over whether or not he has
4: it or not. Not that we ever examined him, but but yeah.
2: (laughs) So at least recently, Isaiah Austin is probably the most common contemporary individual. Flo Hyman might be more our generation. She was a volleyball player from a couple decades mm-hmm. ago, but, but Isaiah Austin, if you recall, was at Baylor, uh, was going to be a higher draft pick for the NBA and was identified as having Marfan syndrome. Aww. So, but again, those are those are diseases that have really high risk for harm. So it's important to make the diagnosis, in my opinion.
4: Keep our eyes open. Stay with us during the break for Your Real Champion, the beautiful story of a woman brought back to life when her husband performed CPR. And now for your real champion, I call this segment, "Staying Alive. Stephanie Austin is the heart of the American Heart Association chapter here in Philadelphia and very grateful for her new lease on life. In 2008, she was 35, the young mother of two boys and super fit on three soccer teams, playing tennis, and PTA president. At 6 a.m. on a summer Sunday morning, her husband, Matt, an orthopedic surgeon, got a fortuitous call from a resident. Upon awakening, he noticed that Stephanie had irregular breathing. He turned her over and found out that she was turning blue. She was in cardiac arrest. His biggest enemy was the clock. By reflex, he jumped into go mode, quickly calling 911, then acted as Stephanie's heart pumping blood to keep her organs from failing. Once the EMTs arrived, A neighbor stayed with their two sons so Matt could follow the ambulance. He was flooded with emotions. Imagine the panic he had to endure. This was his college sweetheart, the mother of his children, his soulmate, and her life was literally in his hands. By day, a master surgeon who routinely performs complex operations, but when the patient's a loved one, the fear is palpable. After weeks in the hospital and six months of recovery, Stephanie learned some valuable lessons. Though she never took it for granted before, she was reminded how fragile life is. She has no memory of the episode or the year before or after, only the events as described by others. Of course, she's closer than ever to her husband who brought her back to life and appreciates every second with her beautiful boys. Many people would curl up and withdraw after a shock like this. Stephanie cherishes her second chance and has found a new purpose. She shares her story and teaches others that heart disease is the number one cause of death in women and that 80% of cardiac events are preventable through healthy lifestyle changes. Since then, Stephanie has been a volunteer, an advocate, and a fundraiser for the American Heart Association. She credits the Heart Association for enabling the valuable research that led to the creation of CPR and the defibrillator that's resting under her skin. In 2013, she joined the board of the American Heart Association and was the chair of their Go Red for Women initiative. Stephanie was only 35 years old when her heart stopped beating from a congenital heart condition. She's so committed to teaching that she has CPR parties for her family, friends, and neighbors, and advocates for bills in the Pennsylvania House and Senate that will ensure that all students in Pennsylvania have CPR training prior to high school graduations. When you talk to Stephanie, it's almost like she's telling the story about another person. She's full of life and absolutely joyful when she describes her comeback. Now playing doubles tennis several days a week and skiing, And she's so grateful for friends she's made through the American Heart Association and speaks fondly of her band of buddies, other women who also deal with heart disease. Stephanie and her husband, Matt, donate their time, talent, and treasure. They generously support the Faces of Heart campaign, a program in which survivors of heart disease and stroke share their stories of survival and commit to living healthy lives. For many reasons, I was especially moved by this story. I've watched my own spouse face life-threatening cardiac events. And more than once, I had to stand by while other doctors shocked him back to life. I can only imagine what Matt was feeling since he was the EMT until the ambulance arrived. Take a moment to watch their beautiful YouTube video called Faces of Heart, Stephanie Austin's Story. Visit the American Heart Association website heart.org and see where you can take a cpr course in your community and for you music fans of the disco era pay close attention to the cpr instructor who will tell you to pump on the chest to the rhythm of the bg song staying alive we salute you stephanie and matt austin your real champions
0: Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, and your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand.
1: Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com stay covered.
0: Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie,
1: now Saturday afternoons at 5, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross.
0: This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC.
4: And we're back here on Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Matt Martinez. Matt, we were talking about signs and symptoms and looking for those athletes at risk before they participate. How about our listeners in their communities? How can they make sure the conditions are safe?
2: So the, the, the conditions, you're talking about the conditions while they're competing.
4: Like, yeah, and, and we're, we're watching on the sidelines. They, too, should yeah. learn CPR, know where the AED yeah. is stored Absolutely. and how to use it.
2: So the, the, the preseason assessment is one way we're going to protect athletes. But during the season is, the, is where the money is from my standpoint. So you want to be able to have a well-organized emergency action plan, early uh, hands-only CPR. An early activation of an AED and of course nine one one if you need to. So you want what I took away from what happened with Bronny James and what happened with Damar Hamlin and others, Christian Erickson being another if you're European swing, where you have a plan that is well executed and practiced, and then you can deliver clearly hands only CPR. So we don't need to do mouth to mouth anymore. That makes it easy, and all we have to do is identify the AEDs and then take out the pads and the AED tells you what to do. So the safety that you can provide locally is if my child is participating anywhere, whether it's on the pitch, whether it's on the court, whether it's on a tennis court, are they going to be able to deliver the same quality that USC did? Quick, quick response, early CPR, early AED, and delivering a shock in a timely manner because the time matters. You can't call 911 and then sit and hope. You have to be able to deliver this immediately because we know that survival drops by about 10% per minute, per minute. So you've got to have a plan for this. And in the NFL, we practice it. And and, and, and in the professional, uh, other professional organizations, you have to have an emergency action plan. And they're also practiced. They are rehearsed items. So although it looked like they were really on top of it, that was by design. It wasn't by by, ch- by chance, they knew exactly what to do. They identified it. They know what the signs and symptoms of cardiac arrest look like.
4: So virtually every time a player goes down and it looks like he or she maybe twisted an ankle or uh, tripped over something, we, I, you know, as, an, as internists, you and I are internists first, I'm not a cardiologist, but I yep. do know that if I see a patient or I know a family member has fallen, we can sort of guesstimate from the history of the fall whether it's a trip of fall if somebody trips and falls, they're more likely to hurt their wrist or their arm because they're alert. They put their hand out to break the fall. If however, they yeah. have a fall and they fall on their face, then perhaps they blacked out or they had a, a fainting episode first from an arrhythmia or an early stroke or something. So even the way the person's body lands gives us big clues. Yes.
2: Yeah. So non-contact collapse is what we tell people. So if somebody just falls on the field, if they're exerting themselves, whether they had symptoms ahead of that or not, if they don't protect themselves when they fall, if they didn't put their hands up to protect themselves. If they're not trying to shield their face from being smashed, then that's a concern that this is a cardiac finding. And these days with huddle and all the, and all the videos parents are taking of athletes, it's really common for folks to come in with the actual event and I can look at the fall themselves. So non-contact mm-hmm. collapse, unresponsive. Don't worry about checking a pulse. If there's a non-contact collapse, it's unlikely that they've got a neck injury or a spine injury related to this, but you want to get the health professionals on the field. You want to roll them. And then I say, start CPR. If the patient's awake, they're going to tell you, leave me alone. Exactly. Bring that AED with you. There's no harm in it. Put the pads on it. It it will tell you not to shock them if there's no indication for shock. It doesn't just shock you. It has a very complicated, sophisticated algorithm that determines, is this a high-risk phenomenon or is this a nothing issue? Continue to do CPR.
4: And uh, three very important points. We don't start with mouth-to-mouth anymore because we want to keep the blood flowing and chances are, right before somebody collapses, they've taken a deep breath, and so if their lungs are filled with air, we have to keep the assembly line pushing the blood out to the brain and the kidneys and all the vital organs.
2: Yeah, hands-only CPR is important, and also especially after COVID, it, it takes mm-hmm. away some of the anxiety of being of doing mouth-to-mouth. So we tried the you know the bag the the bag mask. We tried some of the the other protective mechanisms so that people felt more comfortable. But in the end, it's really all about circulation. So the more you can deliver the CPR effective uh, compressions, and there are songs for this. There's actually podcast playlists that you can download. My favorite, of course, is "Staying Alive." Uh, it's it's one that we know from the BGS. Right at six in your head, and and that tells you how quickly to deliver those pumps. So the cadence of how quickly you deliver the CPR. All you got to do is sing it in your head. And then remember, there's no shame in tapping out. This is hard. If you've not done CPR, after two or three minutes, you are usually gassed. So then you tap out, somebody else takes over, and you do that until the, until the ambulance arrives, which can be 10, 12, 15 minutes, sometimes worse, depending on where you live.
4: And I think another message that you stress with listeners is that you don't have to take an all-day course. We as physicians and staff, nurses and techs have to take a CPR course on a regular basis to update ourselves. But for the average citizen, you can go to your local uh, ambulance company. And the important thing is learning the mechanics of doing the CPR, the compressions, knowing what to do on the spot, at least get things started and not be intimidated when you're even in the airport. Let's take it away from sports. You're in a public place. Personally, I mean, I'm sure you've had to do CPR. I had to do CPR seven times inside of five years. It was just this, you know, this little cloud yes. following me twice <laughs> on a plane. Snakes on a plane, yeah. no. CPR on a plane, a little scary. I got off the plane a little bit lighter because I lost a lot of sweat. Fortunately, both yeah. times, okay. But um, I think, like anything, your brakes fail. If you know where the emergency brake is, You're you're a little calmer. If you know CPR and you're familiar with what the AED looks like, you're going to jump to it, stay calmer yes. And if you didn't. And this, the AED will tell you, it's kind of like if people think of the commercials on TV, where you could put your finger on a little monitor, or if you have a watch that, that gives you a clue, think of it that way. The AED is attached to the patient and tells the, pa- the, um, the observer what, Matt.
2: Whatever there's, what it's going to tell you is whether or not there's no ventricular fibrillation, is this shockable, or is this a too slow rhythm, or is it something else that just requires ongoing CPR? And the AED will tell you that, as you say. And if you look at data on emergencies, what happens is people revert to their training. So they go back to what they were taught to do before. So it's very easy then to start to dial into what you were taught before. We teach this at churches, at synagogues, at YMCAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about 30 to thirty to 60 minutes total. I'll do a shout out for the professional referees organization who have said, uh, come to us. We've done this for the last three years and train the referees about how to do CPR and AEDs. Yeah. Because they're right there and I can't watch, doc. I don't want to watch while somebody else is is waiting to come to me. I want to start. Tell me what to do. So what we say is anyone can be a first responder. You should be able to talk to your local providers, whether it's the American Heart Association or a local ambulance. Simple enough as you say, you don't need a 5-day course or a or a 2-day course to become expert in this, but you need to be able to know what's simple enough to do roll them over, mm-hmm. start CPR, somebody call 911, somebody get the AED. There are some simple mechanics to this that you can learn in 30 to 60 minutes, and you can save a life too. Anyone can be a first responder, mm-hmm. easy enough to do.
4: Two last questions, Matt. Marathon runners, is there a difference if somebody um, collapses before the finish line so they're in motion, they're still yes. you know, asking their heart to work hard, versus collapsing after they cross the finish line
2: so we know that in the in the last few miles of a marathon that seems to be the highest risk whether it's overheating whether it's heart artery disease but well, you can certainly have have a heart attack up to an hour or so after a uh, finishing a marathon or a half marathon and it's related to the event as well as well so it's really important that you see your doctor ahead of time my friend jonathan kim from emory published on this uh, called the racer study and what they found was that uh, heart 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 attacks were more common in men than in women and that those who were seeing a provider ahead of time had less uh, had, had improved outcomes and had less events If you go to the Boston Marathon where Megan Wassey uh, helps run that, she has a whole bunch of baths afterwards to cool people down because they overheat. So you can heat it up. The heart gets inflamed. That can lead to cardiac arrest as well. So they have a medical tent that is well suited for this. And then they lay out a plan for AEDs throughout the course where they know if there's a hill, if it's the end of the race, the beginning of the race, they know where those touch points are that seem to increase the risk. And now there's really good data on this over 95% in some studies showing improvement in survival with AEDs on a, on a, on a marathon course. So if you're running a marathon, if you're doing a local 5k, once you map out the course, the next step should be, how do we keep the athletes safe? How do we keep them from overheating and, and how many AEDs do we need, depending on how we're going to deliver mm-hmm. this long-term to keep, to keep those
4: kids safe. And the other quick question we're hearing at, My first uh, perk that I heard, my ears perked up when I heard that professional soccer players after the vaccine to prevent COVID were getting myocarditis. Still a small number, not a worry for our listeners.
2: Agreed. So this is an important concept. So we published on that data. We know that myocarditis in professional athletes, all professional athletes, is rare, about 0.6 to 0.8%. We looked at this at NCAA athletes, same thing, a separate study, over 3,000 individuals, risk of myocarditis related to COVID, about 0.6 to 0.8%. Data from Yale published in May of this year showed that 30 out of 100,000 vaccines led to an infl- inflammation of the heart muscle, probably not from the virus, but actually from the inflammatory response r- related to having the body learn how to treat the infection, but that's half as often as COVID, which was 60 per 100, about 60 per 100,000. So you're still safer to get the vaccine. That's a good safety mechanism for you compared to getting getting COVID itself without the vaccine.
4: Well, Dr. Matt Martinez from Atlantic Health, thank you so much for your time and wisdom today. We've learned really great practical information. Whether you're a student going back to high school or college, We want to get that pre-participation physical, and you've given us great ideas on what people should be prepared to tell their doctors, including their family history, supplements. And thank you so much. And go New York Jets.
2: You got it. It's going to be a good year for the Jets. Thanks you for thank you for having me. If you're out there and you're listening what to do next? What to do next is talk to talk to wherever you're, you you exercise your kid exercises your family's exercise and make sure that they are prepared. They got to have a plan, they got to have an AED, they got to know hands-only CPR. That's the message for all this. Safety comes from that plan.
4: Beautiful. Thank you, Matt.
2: Thanks for having me. Thank you.
0: Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross.
3: Hello, my name is Jay Melito. I am one of the alumni coordinators here at Recovery Centers of America, Raritan Bay. I am one of your addiction experts from RCA, and today I'm here to talk to you about what we think is the most important factors for staying in recovery. And I will have to tell you that... I believe connection is the most important thing. And what I mean by that is when we look at addiction as a whole, it's about the disease keeping you isolated and alone. And when we come into a a facility such as RCA, we try as hard as we can to get you as comfortable as possible in a group setting. So you have the ability to understand that this is a we thing. It is not an I thing. And from the time you get into our facility to the time you leave, we're in groups, we're making you comfortable and sharing and speaking. And when you leave, the alumni get you connected in having fun outside of the recovery and making you understand that you're not a prisoner because you gave up the substance that you love so much and you can still have fun. And we have uh, amazing meetings here after you leave. And I believe that we have the best alumni. I mean, we are, connection here is having 70 people on a Thursday night sharing with each other and having a blast for an hour. And again, these are people that came through and and truly loved one another because of the settings that they were brought through and the experiences that they shared with one another. And we try to continue to make that happen every day. And uh, I am so blessed to be a part of that. I just want to say that if one of your loved ones needs help with alcohol or drugs, please reach out to Recovery Centers of America at 833-969-0268 or visit RCA radio. That's R-C-A-R-A-D-I-O-D-R. We answer the phone and admit patients 24-7. And I thank you.
2: I'm always striving to live my healthiest life, so I need a health plan that has my back. With Independence Blue Cross, I get access to the largest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free virtual doctor visits 24-7. Plus, with premiums as low as $0 per month, I can stay on top of my health and keep my budget in check. Independence has given me coverage I can count on, and they'll do the same for you. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com.
4: Welcome back to our final segment of your radio doctor, the segment we call your weekly prescription. Today, we learned so much from our guest, Dr. Matthew Martinez, a cardiologist who works with elite and professional athletes, high school and college athletes, and weekend warriors over age 35 who want to get back into shape. And he hopes to identify and treat athletes who have underlying heart issues so we can decrease the risk for sudden cardiac arrest. Let's review the major points from today's show. Number one, schedule that pre-participation physical for your high school or college athlete and update your own regular physical exam. Number two, the doctor will ask if you or the athlete has a history of fainting or palpitations, maybe chest discomfort or shortness of breath with exertion, a history of a murmur or valve disease or difficulty tolerating exercise in general. The doctor will also ask if there's a personal history of diabetes, high blood pressure, elevated cholesterol, and very important to know, is there a family history of people dying early deaths or unexplained deaths like a car crash with no extenuating circumstances? Perhaps that person's had a cardiac arrest and passed out at the wheel. Or is there a history of coronary artery disease before age 50 or heart failure? Heart transplantation. Do any family members have pacemakers or defibrillators at any age? Your social history is so important. That includes questions about caffeine intake, alcohol intake, tobacco use, performance enhancing drugs, methamphetamines, all can affect your cardiac performance. And finally, you can help by learning CPR and how to use an AED. That's the automatic defibrillator. So call your local ambulance company or hospital and ask about CPR training. You'll find that you don't have to take an all day course. Visit the website of the American Heart Association to find locations near you. The website is heart.org, easy to remember, heart.org. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor each Saturday at 5 p.m. here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Listen again to all of our shows because they're posted on odyssey.com that's a-u-d-a-c-y please follow us on social media linkedin facebook twitter instagram and now on threads thanks to our exclusive sponsor independence blue cross and for support from recovery centers of america join us next week at a special time on saturday morning at 10 o'clock in april of this year the CDC released the official data from 2021, which shows that sexually transmitted infections continue to rise in number. Our guest will be Dr. Sarah Keeley Schultz, infectious disease specialist from Temple University Hospital. That's next Saturday at a special time, 10 o'clock in the morning. Learn about prevention and treatment of sexually transmitted infections. And now I'd like to take a moment to say happy birthday to a very special gentleman who'll be turning 15 years old this Wednesday, August 9th. He's handsome, loving, and very loyal, and his name is Zeus Motorcycle Francis. Yes, these are all family names, and Zeus is our little Regal Beagle. He's definitely my favorite family member. Sorry, dear husband, kids, and grandchildren. I'm giving you a sneak peek when I say Zeus will be your real champion next Saturday. Tune in at our special time, 10 o'clock next Saturday morning, to hear why. Happy birthday, Zeus, and get ready for your annual bowl of ice cream with a birthday candle on August 9th. This is your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, wishing you a happy, healthy, and safe week with the ones you love, and always here to remind you that your health is your wealth.
0: Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program has been pre recorded.
1: Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24 7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com stay covered.